Thriving in divorce and beyond means not having to worry about the safety of your children when it comes to co-parenting. With alcohol abuse on the rise, many co-parents are turning to the system committed to providing proof, protection, and peace of mind. Soberlink's alcohol monitoring system is the most convenient, reliable, and reasonable way for a parent to provide evidence that they are not drinking during parenting time. Soberlink's real-time alerts, facial recognition, and tamper detection ensure the integrity of each test so you can be confident your kids are with a sober parent. With Soberlink, judges rest assured that your child is safe, attorneys get court admissible evidence of sobriety, and both parents have empowerment and peace of mind. Pull back the curtain on the mysteries of parenting time and trust the experts in remote alcohol monitoring technology to keep you informed and your kids safe and secure. To download the resource I created with Soberlink, Divorce and Addiction, A Guide to Move Forward, visit www.soberlink.com backslash Susan. Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast. Setting a goal is the number one thing. What is your intention at the end of this conversation? And one of the things that I would highly recommend is to really see, hear, feel what you would be seeing, hearing, and feeling at that moment when the conversation ended so that you can have sort of something tangible in your mind of what you want to achieve. It's a lot easier to be able to get there. Hello, and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce, and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process, so listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and today we're going to have one of those conversations that is actually going to help you in your divorce, but also in life in general. And we're talking about having conversations um, and how to set yourself up to have successful conversations even if you are in the midst of a divorce. So I brought in my friend who is the queen of communication, I'm gonna call her. She's really one of those people I recently had the opportunity to see her communicating with a room full of people at a live training. And that's what made me think about doing this episode because I think the skills that she was talking about are things that will translate well for all of you that are listening and going through a divorce and need to have a lot of difficult conversations, but also, hey, don't we all have to have conversations that are difficult in our day? So first, I'll just want to welcome her, Liz Becker. Thank you, Liz, for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Susan. Such a wonderful opportunity. Yeah, well, we're and we're going to have some fun talking about this. You and I, uh, no problem having a conversation, the two of us. But first, I want to let everybody know about you because I've talked a little bit about being the queen of communication, but your, your skills and your 
your your accolades go much further than that. Uh, you and I met because you're the president and co-founder of the National Association of Divorce Professionals, NADP, for those of you who are out there. And you created a fantastic program that you do in conjunction with NADP called the CDS um, program. It's the Certified Divorce Specialist. And then you're also a licensed NLP master practitioner. You're going to have to tell us what that is. Communication skills coach and trainer. And you have more than a decade of experience in helping people right here in this area. So you're bringing this to the forefront because I've done episodes on how to tell your spouse you want a divorce, how to tell the kids you're getting a divorce, but that's not where the difficult conversations end, right? That's only actually the beginning. And in fact, there have probably been a lot of difficult conversations before that. So I'm, I'm glad we're talking about this life skill, this true life skill. Um, and thanks again for coming on to talk about it. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me again. It's a pleasure. You do such amazing work for all of your listeners uh, on a daily basis of being able to give these nuggets of information that can take them very far and making it easier for themselves and the family. So glad I could be part of that, Susan. Well, and that's, I always call them, you use the word nuggets. I call them the golden nuggets of the episodes. Um, And so you might hear me say, I suspect I will a few times in this episode say, and there's another golden nugget, everybody. I wish there were actual like nuggets dropping. We'd be wealthy, but... um, I, you know, so let's talk about this. You and I went through this and you were setting out for me and it may surprise everybody, but I've not had a lot of training in communication. I've had a lot of training in negotiation and mediation skills, which has communication levels to it. But you broke it down so simply for me when we were talking about this. And what I thought was interesting is the very first place you start in thinking about having a difficult conversation or having a successful conversation is with the end, the end result. You say go in with a goal. So so talk to us about why that's the most important thing to start with. Well, there's so many areas about communication and conversations, which really is just communication, right? You're, you're sharing some kind of idea or thought with another person. It's just this exchange of information between two people when you're having a conversation. And usually there's an intention of this conversation. It could be just to kill time. It could be just for company, for companionship. It could be something that happens automatic, or there could be a specific goal for that exchange of information. And it is so important to understand, because really the magic happens in any conversation before the conversation even starts, right? It's like that vacation that you're planning. They, it is proven scientifically that the most pleasure one gets from actually going on vacation is before the vacation. Is Thinking when, about it? Yes, thinking about it. Yeah. Planning what you're going to wear, packing, where you're going to stay, doing the research. The heightened level of excitement is actually more pleasurable because you haven't been disappointed yet. <laughs> you, you have in mind, right? You, you have this anticipation of how incredible this vacation is going to be. Uh, but it also helps you in planning it effectively. Now, of course, when you go on that vacation and your flight is delayed or that person sitting to you next to the plane is not the person you would want to be sitting next to you or things happen throughout the actual experience. And that's why they say that it can lessen the amount of pleasure that you get. Conversations aren't any different. 
the what's going to, to to matter in the end result of that vacation or that conversation is how you're dealing with what's happening at the moment and what your goal was to begin with. What is the outcome that you wanted? What was the outcome you wanted from going on that vacation, right? Was it to relax? Was it to go, you know, sightseeing? Was it to whatever that goal was? The same thing works in a conversation. So first and foremost, you have to have some clear um, steps that you're going to take before you even start the conversation, especially clearly we're going to be talking about more targeted towards uh, divorce, people that are going through divorce. And if you have a difficult conversation with uh, your spouse ahead or your ex-spouse, you mentioned it before. Most likely the reason you're getting divorced is because you could not have good conversations with your partner. Because <laughs> if you could, most likely you're not getting divorced. So you have all this stuff that's already happened before. Um, now you're in a situation where most likely every conversation you have is going to be about an important topic or at least a topic that's important to you, right? So yes, setting a goal is the number one thing. What is your intention at the end of this uh, conversation? And one of the things that I would highly recommend is to really see, hear, feel what you would be seeing, hearing, and feeling at that moment when the conversation ended so that you can have sort of something tangible in your mind of what you want to achieve. It's a lot easier to be able to get there. That would be the first step, definitely. Yeah, well, and I think about that. There's a couple things there that really jump out at me. First, as we just were, were both talking about you've probably had a lot of unsuccessful conversations. Um, and so often for people, at least in the divorce process, they take the patterns that they've established in communication, even though they've been dismal failures in most cases, and, and carry them forward. So one of the things that's so important, one of those golden nuggets, I think, for everybody to take away immediately here is it's time to change the paradigm. It's time to do something different. Differently. Um, and by looking forward and thinking about the goal. And the other thing I, I think is really interesting because for many people, I had somebody say this to me once when I was talking about having that conversation about wanting or saying that you're getting divorced. And she's like, well, what my goal is to impart the information. Yeah. What more could I want out of it? Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, you know, and as you just said, think about the feeling and the, the emotion and maybe, you know, how you want to impart that information. Right. I mean, what, some, what, what might some productive goals be to that conversation as an example? Sure. Well, well, one of the things that I want to focus on is even before you have the goal, let's, let's step back a minute because this is sort of comparable to uh, something in, in setting your goals for the year, your New Year's resolutions, which everybody I'm sure had their list at the beginning of January. And if you would look at that list right now, you probably have accomplished none of it, but there's a reason before it. So uh, a reason for it. So one of the things that you want to do, even when you're having this converse, this idea or this goal of how you want the conversation to end, right? What is it that you want to achieve, whether it's to come to an agreement, whether it's to start the process of negotiations? I mean, it could be anything, whether you're deciding on what day you're going to be, you know, exchanging custody of the children. It doesn't, doesn't matter what it is. But what you want to do is you want to start off creating this goal in a positive state, right? Our, our emotional states drive absolutely everything. Our behavior is driven by our emotional states. And our emotional states are driven by the beliefs that we make in our minds. And these are very important things to know when you're creating a goal. So one of the things that I find is that you have people creating a goal of what they're trying to avoid. 
you're so used to arguing with your partner or your ex-spouse or whoever it is, and your goal is to just not raise your voice. I just don't want to raise my voice. It is horrible to have a goal of what you're trying to avoid. That is not a beneficial, because you're already starting your goal in a negative state. When you imagine that picture of you raising your voice and getting mad because you're triggered at that moment, you yourself at that moment that you're really thinking this as your goal, you're in a bad state, which means you're going to be starting the conversation in that same state. Just as when you're picking your New Year's resolution, you want to pick it from a place of success, from a place of one of the tips that I always say is think of something that you succeeded last year. Think about a moment of, of even at the, the smallest level of something you succeeded. That is clearly when you remember what you succeeded, that's putting you automatically in a good state, which is going to elicit better goals, things that are more achievable. And you've also modeled that behavior. You have the resources within you to make this happen if you've done it before. But if you're focusing on something that you've done poorly before, (laughs) right, how you've raised your voice, you've been triggered, that is not the place where you want to start. You want to start from a place of good state. So I would say first and foremost, before you have the goal, remember of a time somewhere where you had a good conversation because there has to have been a time, maybe when you first got married, maybe when you were dating, maybe when you made a wonderful decision when you were buying a house together, when you were doing something good Uh, and the outcome was beneficial, remember that moment, because just triggering that memory will already elicit that state, which will be more beneficial in setting yourself up for that goal. That makes sense? Oh, it makes, I mean, it actually makes perfect sense. And I, one thing though, that I wonder, because we're talking about this difficult situation of a, you know, a marriage or a relationship that's gone, you know, off the rails or gone south a bit, would it be helpful at all to remember a time when you've successfully had a, a conversation or communicated with someone else if you can't remember a time that you, you had a successful conversation with your spouse or soon to be at? Sure. Anything that's going to put you in the right emotional state. I still think it's better to pick a time that is going to be with that unique person because that's who's going to be in front of you. And what might happen is if you have this memory of how you did it good with somebody else, you, you could, if you cannot find a time with your ex, then absolutely, it's better than not. Then once you start the conversation, you may be triggered just by the person's voice or, you know, in that, that that's in front of you right then and there, because clearly we are triggered. We filter reality based on our memories and our experiences and our values. So the minute you can have this great plan ahead and the minute someone's in front of you, it's a whole other podcast on emotional state management, right? Yeah. However, uh, yes, if you cannot think of a time, you can't think of a time that you were successful in communicating something successfully, achieving your goal successfully, and really break it down. Now that can take a little bit more time and that in, I wouldn't attach that to the part of the goal per se, but in attach it before you create your goal of let's look at that for a minute. Let's take that, let's take that moment. Okay. So I remember that I had a difficult conversation with my child's teacher or with a client or a colleague, whoever it is. What did I really do? If I look at back, what was it about my communication that caused me to be successful? What, was, what did I believe about that other person? What did I believe about the information that I was sharing? What did I believe about the goal that I was trying to achieve in that conversation? All of those things are going to drive the right behavior. Write down, take a piece of paper, see what that is, right? How badly did I want that conversation to go well? From one to 10, right? 
How, 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 what was I willing to sacrifice? All of these things that you want to be able to analyze in your own communication, because Susan, at the end of the day, people are struggling all the time to control other people's behavior. And they think that that's what conversations are for. And that's what communication is about. And that's not true because the main place of communication starts with is the same place that it ends with. And that's with you, period. Right. The other person's just along for the journey. I heard a great thing uh, yesterday. Okay, I'm going to admit it was on TikTok. <laughs> I'm going to admit. <laughs> Doesn't mean it's not great. Okay. No. It was someone that was sharing some incredible information uh, that shot, you know, a tremendous amount of dopamine <laughs> in my brain that made me keep going and searching their profile even more. But they were talking about how when we set goals for ourselves and how our relationship is with time and how we're continuously seeing the future in front of us and our goals in front of us and constantly trying to go and, and, and see what's ahead and trying to prepare for what's ahead. And we see ourselves moving on this like ramp towards this goal or future. And what they recommended, which I think is so brilliant, is the reverse. That when you're doing that, that creates anxiety. That creates like this wave of like, you have to be prepared and you have so many things to get to that point. What are you going to do? Whereas in in reality, you should have that future and goal come towards you. So it's you that are grounded. It's you that is focused on what we're talking about. What are the goals? What do you want to see come to you in that moment at the time that you're having this conversation rather than you're approaching the conversation? And I thought that that was brilliant. I think that would be a really good nugget <laughs> to, to take away when we're talking about these conversations and goals in mind. Hey listeners, I'm just taking a quick break to make sure that you know about a few other ways you can enjoy Divorce and Beyond and get more information and insider tips from me. First, did you know that each episode is available in video format on the Divorce and Beyond podcast YouTube channel? There are no ads, no interruptions there, so you can watch the full episodes. You can also get more content from me on my Instagram feed. I'm on there every day, all day. Um, so go ahead and follow me at, at Susan Guthrie ESQ. And finally, the podcast has a blog and resources in addition to all the episodes and the videos on the website. So go check that out at divorceandbeyondpod.com. While you're there, sign up for the newsletter and you're going to get all of this content right in your inbox. Stay tuned for more from my talk with communications expert, Liz Becker, on how to set yourself up for successful conversations, even during divorce. The secret to successful communication is actually never about the content. It's never about what you're talking about. It's about the structure and technique in which way you're delivering the content. If you're looking for a little more help with some difficult conversations, check out my prior episodes with Kate Anthony on how to tell your spouse you're getting a divorce and with Christina McGee on how to tell your kids. This is something that should be done with the utmost care and the utmost forethought and planning because it's kind of hard to unring that bell. You want to do it face to face and you want to do it at a time when things are calm. And now we return to today's show. 
You've also mentioned something that I think you also believe can be helpful, and that's looking at when it went off the rails. And this is one probably for the people who are listening who are thinking about setting up a conversation or communication with a soon-to-be ex or an Mm ex-spouse. They probably have a lot of examples of conversations that have not gone well. Why is that helpful? So let me give you an example first. If I were to ask you, the last time you got into an argument with someone, how were they acting? Would you be able to give me a pretty good description? Yes. Right. <laughs> now, if I were to ask you, how were you acting? What did you sound like? What did you look like? What words were you specifically using? Most, most people would have a problem analyzing themselves. Most people, would it would be easier for them to remember the person that's in front of you because you're not looking at yourself in a conversation. You're looking at that person that's in front of you. You're listening to the sounds of their, the tone of their voice, the level of how loud it is for you. That's what you're focusing on in the moment, unless you're watching a recording of yourself. I was just going to say in a Zoom setting. In a Zoom setting, it's fantastic. (laughs) Thank God for this online capability that you can hit like record this meeting and then replay it. I recommend it all the time, actually. You want to see how you're communicating Go back, you'll notice how many ums you say. (laughs) You can look at yourself and and practice on really going back into a conversation and focusing on how are you acting. Now, this doesn't happen magically now, but this is when you make the changes. So this is what your listeners should be doing right now to move forward to be able to have better conversations. The next time they do have a successful or poor conversation, Focus on your behavior less than the other person's behavior. Focus on what you're feeling. Focus on how you think that you look at that moment. What, how do your facial, what, what do you think your facial gestures look like? What do you think your facial muscles, how, how tight, how like scrunched are your wrinkles? You know, thank God for a little bit of the filter going on here with the Zoom. <laughs> right, how are your wrinkles? How loud is your tone if it were from one to 10? We don't gauge ourselves in these things and you will never be able to correct it and rectify it. So let's just say that I've been unsuccessful with my ex-spouse in conversations because the tone of my voice triggers them. The words that I use triggers them. The facial expect that look, right? We all have a look. Does <laughs> your ex spouse have a look? Hear about that? You, don't look at me like that. You know the other person's look. Do you know your own look? Probably not. Because when are you looking in the mirror and saying, okay, what's that look that I make when I'm really pissed off or when I'm like starting to boil? (laughs) You don't, but you should. Because if you want to have a successful conversation with someone that you've had poor, you need to change those things. If you keep doing the same things, we know the definition of insanity. It could be (laughs) a change of word. It could be a change of look. It could be a change of language. That will alter the conversation completely with your ex-spouse. So do your research. Start setting, start gauging yourself. Start being able to have an idea to calibrate how you did things right and replicate them or how you did things wrong and change them. That's the only way that you'll be able to change this whole dynamics of conversations with people that you had unsuccessful communication with for so many years. Right. And think, I mean, this is more than, I really want 
to encourage people to think about this. This is more, what we're talking about here is more than like talking to your soon to be ex about who's gonna get the couch and whether you're getting part of the 401k. If you're a co-parent, you're going on beyond this divorce and are gonna have so many conversations about your children and all that. You need to start changing your communication. It is an absolute necessity. So the steps that Liz is talking about here are important, not just for you to get what you want or impart the information that you think you need to impart, but it's important for the restructuring of your family and for the future health of your children, right? Of course, and your health. Every time we lose control over our emotional state, it puts us, it puts us in physical danger, physiologically, right? You are releasing hormones that are not good for your body and for your health when you get upset. So the whole point is for you to stay grounded. Your divorce is going to mean to your children what it means to you. And if you're angry and fighting all the time, it's going to mean trouble, bad, horrible, terrible life change. This is traumatic. I'm depressed. All of these slew of emotional states. When you have more control over all of these outcomes, whether it's your emotional state, whether it is just at least remaining calm within a conversation, being able to relay information, right, on a certain level with the other person, then you are able to maintain your state and be healthier for your children and your family. And that's what you're modeling your behavior. They're modeling your behavior, right? So this is what you need to do for that. Really important in the whole process of communication and having conversations with those that are around you throughout everything. It's truly of critical importance. And, you know, as we're, so now, you know, we've pulled together sort of where we want to go with this conversation. And we've looked back to the good, the bad, and the ugly of our past communications to pull those golden nuggets of how to, you know, what to do and what we might need to tweak. But now you're in the conversation, it's going along and you have some tips for the actual, you know, discussion. I know one of them is, is involves positive reinforcement. Mm -hmm. Can you explain how that fits in? Because I think it can feel hard in the moment. Yeah, of course. And I think that with the positive reinforcement, first of all, I'm always a huge fan of being authentic and genuine, period. I don't mean that when you're really pissed off that you want to authentically be pissed off and yell and scream, right? There still has to be. Thank you. Yes. I don't want someone saying, well, Liz said in Susan's podcast. Exactly. I I did not say that. However, what I mean authentic is you want to be true to what you believe at the moment of whatever the conversation is about. You don't want to be fake and just, you know, toot somebody's, you know, be you hear in many situations and dealing with narcissistic individuals. I'm not a huge fan of using and throwing that word around as yes. Uh, there are narcissists, but everybody seems to be divorcing a narcissist. I mean, there's just narcissistic yeah. behavior and then there's narcissists. And I think that at the end of the day, we're dealing with high conflict individuals. And that's how you have to frame it for yourself as well and how you communicate with them. It's not about fluffing someone's feathers and kissing their ass to be able to get part of my, my lovely French, but and try to get what it is that you want from them. It's about being authentic to your core and to your content. I want to bring this up here. The secret to successful communication is actually never about the content. It's never about what you're talking about. It's about the structure and technique in which way you're delivering the content. So when you are preparing the goal, when you're looking at all the ways that you are communicating this content, you have to be very 
well-educated and confident in your content. So you have to be prepared for the conversation. The more prepared you are for what you're trying, what your goal is, what you're willing to sacrifice, what you're willing to give in, what you're not willing, the more you have that solidified, the less you have to focus on the content and the more you can focus on what's in front of you. So when we talk about positive reinforcement, I like recommending that more on the basis that even if this conversation is not successful, you are now setting yourself to be able to gauge or calibrate your partner's communication so that you can use it next time. And let me give you an example. Let's say in past, you've had conversations with your ex and you say something and they immediately lose their temper and they immediately say something, you know, that triggers you back, right? This is how the, the fight starts. They oh, raise yeah. their voice. They speak their voice at a certain level of loud. That's loud to you. That triggers you to now yell back. So let's say you're having a conversation and you said something and your ex-spouse, spouse, partner, the other person in the conversation has now responded in the proper tone. They have no idea what your level of tone of accepting tone is, right? Of what's good and what's your trigger. Unless you were to point it out and say, you know what? I have to say something, John or Jane, I have to say something. The, the way that you just said that to me right now, it really worked well for me. I, I hear you. The tone that you just used, it really, I hear you and I understand you. And then you move forward with the conversation. So now you've just highlighted that moment in that time in that conversation so that that other person, even at a subconscious level, knows at that point when you brought it out, what that tone was. So that next conversation, if you are struggling, or if you, that person starts raising the voice, you say, you know what, John, remember the other conversation we had the other day? Remember that I told you that I totally understood you when you spoke to me at that level. Is there any way that you can speak in that, in that level or that tone again? You're helping the other person understand you as well without and, and trying to really prevent anything excessive. This is all learned behavior. You have to learn and, and learn each other for like, it's like new, right? It's like you're communicating with a stranger, quite frankly, even though it's something so familiar if you want it to work out in the way that you're going to achieve your goal at the end of the conversation. So when I say that positive reinforcement is what is the goal for that positive reinforcement? It's not to fluff someone's feathers and to kiss their ass and to make sure that you're trying to convince them because they'll see right through that. They know you very well. It's more for improving the communication between these two parties. And you can ask them to do the same. Say, listen, I know there's certain things that I say that trigger you. We've been married. We were married for so-and-so years. Just do me a favor. When I say something right that resonates with you and I'm saying it with the right tone, let me know so that I know where I'm at. That's it. So good. So good. And, and what I'm also not hearing, so I just want to emphasize this, is what I did not hear you say is also point out to them when they do something that doesn't work for you. Yeah. I, that not helpful. No, not. It really is. Don't talk to me like that. Don't yell at me like that. I hate it when you yeah. not. That, that just elicits more. That actually presents that. That's what we focus on. When you tell things what you don't, this, and I'm sure you've heard it and your viewers have heard it a million times. I mean, you say, that's why kids don't pick that up. They pick it up, right? At an unconscious level, you're, if I tell you, you know, don't think about something right now, you are going to think about it because it doesn't matter. At an unconscious level, you've already presented the information. The mind cannot really, you know, separate, don't, want, can't. It's really, let's just focus on where you wanted to go, what you want to learn. And again, the structure and technique, not the content per se. Because at the end of the day, that's really what's triggering you. 
that's really, yeah. really what's causing you to react in a certain way because you've had that conversation, you've shared that content back and forth, whether it's arguing about a specific amount, whether it's arguing about you know, who's been late, why you're late, what time the pickup's going to be, who left this one at that house. And, you know, all of these things, which you just had that wonderful, uh, what is her name on the podcast that was giving the, Oh, Bella Duncan. Bella Duncan. I mean, what these children go through just at the smallest level of, you know, pickup time or drop off of one parent being late, it's out of their control. They're losing all of this control. You want to be able to gain that within the conversations through communicating more effectively. And that behavior is going to trickle down to the children, by the way. You're setting an example. When you have these conversations and are pointing these positives, that puts the other person in a better emotional state too. And if the children are at their house, that's where you want them to be. I know so many parents that are, are continuously arguing while the children are at the other parent's house, not with them. And I'm like, hold up. That's not what you want while you have your kids or while your spouse has your kids. All of these things would be grounded. Love that. And yes, Bella Duncan, I just, for those who haven't had a chance to listen to the episode yet, Bella is a 22 year old young lady whose parents divorced when she was three. She recently started a blog called a kid with two homes. And she, she is for a 22 year old. She's about the most eloquent 22 year old I've ever met in my life. And she talked about on the show, um, that situation where her parents were what, 18 years after the divorce, we're still poking at each other a little bit with showing up a few minutes late for pickups and drop-offs and stuff. It wasn't 18 years, but it was some period of time. And she was talking about the stress that brought into her world. So a really important episode, go listen to it. But uh, the last, your last tip on, on having, setting yourself up for a successful conversation, I have to say, harkens back for me to, you know, being a mediator and now I train mediators. And one of the top things we tell mediators when things get tough in the room is to be curious. Yeah. And that really goes to your last tip. That moment that you feel your emotional state starting, starting to, to change a little bit, to alter a little bit you are feeling that you're having some kind of impasse. You're feeling like there's no agreement that there's some kind of break in rapport that's happened. That is a time where you want to step back and you want to just be curious. You want to ask questions. When I teach about communications, regardless if it was when I was coaching clients going through it, when I'm certifying or training professionals dealing with clients, no matter what I do, fundamentally, what good communication is, is creating good rapport with individuals and understanding when you've broken it and understanding how to rebuild it. Because it is impossible to maintain rapport with another person in a conversation where you feel that you're bigger or better, where you feel where you're right and they're wrong, because that puts you at a different level. We do a communication dance every day of our lives. From the minute we wake up in the morning to the minute we go to sleep, it's a dance that we're doing. We're stepping in and out of rapport with individuals, with our loved ones, with our partners, with our work, with our colleagues. It's pretty tiring if you were to break it all down. (laughs) However, having said that, the magic not just happens before the conversation, but it happens in that moment where you're like, whoa, I'm, I'm setting blame aside here. There's no blame in my realm in order for me to continue this conversation because that doesn't help. But I'm noticing that I'm getting resistance. I'm getting an impasse right now from this other person. I need to step down from here that I know what I'm talking about. And that and that's focusing on your content, right? Like you're not getting the agreement that you want or whatever the outcome. And I'm going to get down and I'm just going to take a moment to ask questions. I'm going to take a moment to rebuild 
rebuild this level of rapport and try again and continue the conversation. Listen, not every conversation is going to be well. You can, I, I teach communication. It doesn't mean that I get everything that I want. It doesn't mean that I get agreements. Even the best of high conflict coaches and experts will have their own fights and agreements with individuals around them. It would be impossible to be on alt all the time and be successful. But what is successful in that is that you are helping yourself maintain your emotional state as well. So it is a win-win. It is a win-win that you've just deterred a massive argument that's not going anywhere. And you've deterred tremendous uh, amount of uh, protection for your own health. So those are the things that I definitely, definitely recommend. Avoid the cortisol running through your, your veins <laughs> and be more conscious of your own communication rather than focusing on everybody else's communication all the time to you. That's where the changes are gonna happen. The power of being curious, the power of asking questions. I just, I see that magic in a mediation room every single day. It's not the, I want this, you should give me that. It's the, can you tell me why this is so important to you? Or can you tell me what this looks like for you? Um, and the power of that being curious is, is incredibly, another golden nugget. I love, and you, you phrase it exactly that I say be curious, but it's ask questions. Yeah. It's stop talking and ask a question yeah. and, and listen to what, and listen to what they have to say, yeah. right? And I love when we were talking, you brought up that curious because I, I mean, I had presentations that I would did like 10 years ago, 12 years ago that I literally had curious George on the screen yeah. when talking about asking questions. You have to be in a state of being like stupid, silly, dumb. Like you, you know nothing. You are in a know nothing, curious state when you are asking a question because when you are in a know everything state you are not asking a question you are telling a person just guys in a question format right it's more being sarcastic if anything and how well does anyone respond being told especially in a difficult conversation right it's just it's not gonna go well so you know know your goal so start with where you want to go with that conversation look at the past conversations and pull your tips both on what to do and what not to do and then reaffirm or or give some positive feedback to your conversation partner when they're doing something that does work, not necessarily highlight what doesn't work and be curious. So this is your template to a successful conversation. One thing before we get to the end of the episode though, I wanna make sure we touch on, because I have a lot of listeners who are going through divorce, but I also have a lot of practitioners, divorce practitioners, and you do wonderful trainings for people who are supporting those going through divorce. And we talked about it at the top of the episode, the certified divorce specialist. You have one coming up. So explain to people what the training is, when that is and for those who are listening who are going through divorce you know it will help them understand where they might want to find a certified divorce specialist to help them absolutely absolutely and when you started we talked about you talked about the NADP the National Association of Divorce Professionals which is an amazing resource uh, for people going through divorce as all of our members are vetted they're in the legal financial mental health and real estate industries and they have all gone through vetting they're every once a month they're getting divorced 
divorce-centered education, so they know a lot of information for you as well. And because of my experience and my trade in communication skills, I wanted to take it a step above and realize that I want to help the professionals communicate more effectively with their divorcing clients. Because there are many that, although have been doing what they're doing for 30 years and are fantastic in the content, right? We talk about the content. They know their line of work incredibly inside and out, they still struggle with the structure and technique and how to relay that information to divorcing clients, like most of your listeners, right? They need to have someone that really is going to understand the journey and getting that information to you. So that's why I created the Certified Divorce Specialist Training that pretty much is, it's a two-part program where the first part is fundamental communication skills that they need in the conversations with their clients. And then the second part is all of those fundamental information they need within the industry, right? What what impacts right. the legal, financial, mental health, real estate, all of that information, which is great. So it's, you know, your listeners, if you are going to divorce, you definitely want to go to the NADP.com or the CDStraining.com. And you can see who are NADP members and CDS alumni. They've all had training, specific training to be able to handle you better. <laughs> and, and they also are filled with resources, right? They have tremendous medicine resources to recommend Uh, listen you need a village when you get divorced we talk about this all the time we team building it's everything everyone you've heard me say it yeah and you need to know that you trust that team and that's what i love that's why we created the nnp i didn't have that as a resource for my clients when i started off coaching directly to those that were going through divorce so that's all you know i i take great um pride in the training i love it and i think it's beneficial and people also end up learning just how to communicate with everybody around them, not just with their clients. So I do the training uh, right now in a hybrid format. So it's live online uh, for two days and then part one. And then there's some information, it's about five hours of content that is on demand. That one next training is going to be probably in April. That's a hybrid. Um, And then we have a live in-person training. First one back. I'm so excited as well. That uh, is in Clearwater in March. But uh, the program will be also available fully online soon. So just check out the website and you'll be able to see the cdstraining.com. You'll be able to see if you're a professional and if you are a divorcing someone going through divorce, check out those alumni. Thank you. And I, I highly recommend it because, I mean, as you can see in this very short conversation, communication that, that Liz and I are able to have, it really breaking down your communication to its core elements and building it back up is just the beginning of changing how your entire future is going to unfold. It really is. And that's why it was important enough to focus an entire episode on this topic. Liz, thank you so much for coming on and sharing. The minute I heard you talking about this, I knew we had to let my listeners know. So I'd really appreciate your taking the time. Thank you for having me. And thank you for all the incredible work that you do, Susan, for everybody, for the professionals and for the people going through it. So kudos to you. We're all trying to change the face of divorce. One, one podcast and one training at a time. Thank you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. 
You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond. Thank you.